Well, thanks for stopping by the Murphology Podcast. This is Kathy Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and we are here to talk to you about bicycle touring for beginners. My guest today is none other than Will Sharp. Hey, Will. Hello. And I have had the pleasure of being on many, many, many bicycle rides with Will here in the Cedar Rapids area. And actually, we've gone... We've gone outside the state, right? Have you been up to Root River when we go? Yeah, most recently, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we've done the High Trestle ride yep. and, of course, um, Ragbri, which mm-hmm. anybody in, actually anybody in the world should know what Ragbri is. And if they don't, they should Google it right now. Right, right. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So, uh, first question. How did you get into bicycle touring? Right. So uh, I started uh, really getting back into cycling since I was a kid when uh, about seven years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, touring seemed to be kind of a, a natural progression from where I started. So I started with a road bike uh, when I did my first rag ride back in 2012. Um, and then I just kept wanting to carry more and more things. Yeah. Especially <laughs> some tasty drinks you yep. know, for those necessary safety stops. <laughs> nice. So we got to stay safe. Yeah. And, uh, the idea of being self-contained and having everything I need on my bike uh, without requiring support was definitely appealing. Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of abusing my bike to the extent that, you know, things were breaking, especially spokes. Um, but also I was mounting things on it that, you know, wasn't designed for. Right. And so I was kind of like inventing ways to do it. Right. And uh, so after I abused uh, my road bike long enough, I actually started looking at a bike that could actually do the job. Sure. So that's kind of where I where I began, and um, you know I always enjoyed cycling and um, wanted to do some you know overnights, uh, being you know self-contained, and so that's kind of where I started. Yeah, and self-contained for people who maybe don't understand what that means, it literally means everything that you need is on your bike, whether it is. Uh, camp gear, clothing, like you said, tasty beverages, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And I do need to uh, point out that I started the exact same way as you. I had my okay. fancy carbon uh, tents or whatever it was, a uh, road bike yeah. that I got a rack put on it that the bike shop told me I shouldn't put a rack on right. it. And then, you know, put got it, got some cool bags and then put too much stuff in the bags and sure I, I didn't have any spokes break but the the rack went into the tire oh, and yeah. so then i'd have like you know flat tires all the time and not oh, really sure. understand that maybe i didn't have the right bike right right so yeah so with that said what kind of bike do you ride when you're touring so i currently have my current bike and i've, I've gone through a couple but uh, my current bike is a um, custom-built Salsa Marrakesh, uh, oh, okay. courtesy of World of Bikes nice. in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, it's an awesome bike. I love it. Um, I spent a lot of time with them uh, figuring out you know, the custom components that I was really interested in, mm-hmm. and they kind of filled in all the gaps for me. Uh, and a lot of things I learned or, you know, from my previous bikes yeah. that helped me make the decisions that I made into getting this new one, right. the latest and I'm going to assume, but I should probably ask, is that a steel frame? It is a steel frame, yeah. yes. I think all, or most touring bikes are steel frame, I think. I think a lot of them are. I think it depends on your comfort. And so the steel frames tend yeah. to absorb more. Right. So it gives you a little bit of a softer ride. Aluminum is going to be real rough. Right. And uh, Or it's going to be more jarring. Right. I just always, you know, I, I my touring bike is a gunner. And it's also custom, so you know, mm-hmm. similar to you, I kind of looked at what 
uh, I did wrong in previous uh, with previous bikes and got the got it right this time. But it's still frame, and I don't think I could do anything different at this point. Sure, sure. I love it. So okay, so you've got your dream bike at least for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you based on your stories, Facebook, uh, hanging out with you, that you have been on some epic tours. Yeah. Like, would you be willing to share a few? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah no, um, I've been on some some good tours. You know, I'm not a ton, and I keep I keep doing them year after year yeah. and uh, try to do more and more. But yeah, I got a couple I could share with you. So, I think the first one comes to mind is uh, a couple of years back. I joined a couple couple guys that were doing a, a ride around Lake Michigan. Ooh. So I they were doing like you know it's like a six hundred and 50 mile ride around it over a couple weeks. So I joined them on the first leg. Um, we went from Green Bay uh, to just south of Mackinac Island. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was about 300 miles for me over about six days. And uh, that was a really fun, beautiful ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, the roads were really good. The, uh, as you were going up uh, the western coast there of Lake Michigan, the not too much of a shoulder, but once you got up into the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan, Shoulders were amazing, you know, because oh, they nice. got so much snow up there. Yeah. Huge, wide shoulders, yeah. and you feel real comfortable even though you're on a highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so the beautiful campgrounds, beautiful scenery. Um, we, um, we'd we uh, stop at these campgrounds and tend to load up our bikes with a bunch of, uh, well, we'd go out and grab some firewood. Okay. And we like to have a nice big fire. So I was I was traveling with some uh, firefighters, and so okay. they... <laughs> Ironically, like to have some big fires. Right. <laughs> so happy to comply. So wait, did you have all the firewood on your bikes? Yeah. So like wow. sometimes we'd go to a campground and, you know, we might have to go to a shop a couple miles away or yeah. something and bring it back. And so we would strap down these big bundles of firewood, <laughs> come back. And another funny story about that. So we were kind of excited between the three of us to, to see some bears, but we didn't really expect to see any. Right. And we didn't ultimately. But when we first left, uh green bay we needed to stop at a post office uh and as the, uh, the one of the guys with us was dropping off a package and there was a woman there that was interested in what we were doing mm-hmm. and so we told her and she was like really worried and she she told us about you know oh there's all these bear sightings up the up the coast oh, you know geez. or whatever and so we were kind of freaked out about yeah. it but ultimately we never really saw anything about it or any, any bears at all so. right right which i it, I mean, it's a good story, yeah. but it'd be an interesting story had you seen the bear. Right. Unless, of course, the bear was coming at you, then this would not be a very good story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good. I um, did some good laughs. Yeah. So uh, that sounds like quite a tour. I mean, six days over 300 miles. That's, yeah. So that's pretty good. Right. Yeah. We. I think it was... We kind of loaded up the miles at the, at the beginning. Yeah. And actually, that's kind of another funny story because... Uh, our goal was to get to Mackinac Island kind of that last day mm-hmm. and make it short. So it was like just maybe just under 30 miles. Mm-hmm. But when we got to uh, Mackinac Island, uh, we were trying to, we're going to try and go to a kind of a bar in the middle of the island mm-hmm. where, but to get there, it's kind of real steep. So the perimeter trail that goes around Mackinac Island is, is, is uh, flat. But to actually get up into the middle, you got to climb quite a bit. Oh. And so we weren't sure exactly the best place to climb. And so we ended up taking this kind of 
it's not really a death tour, but we went, it was a lot of miles, <laughs> right? right? And so, like, by the end of the day, by the time we took the ferry back to the mainland there and, and got to our campground, it was probably one of our longest days. Oh, my gosh. And so we were all a little irritable. Yeah. In the end, but, uh, well, and I was just going to ask you, if it's an island, how did you get there? But you said you took a ferry? Yeah. And so, they'll let you take your bike and all your gear right on it? Yep. Nice. Yeah, they sure will, so. Nice. And I did, uh, I ultimately had some um, some wheel issues there. Oh, Broke man. some spokes, but... Uh, so that was a little disappointing, but we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, I do want to talk about that later. Uh, so another trip that we went on was, uh, I think this is probably my most most fun so far at the best time, was the, we went out to, we did the Gap and CNO, and that's the Great Allegheny Passage and the um, uh, Chesapeake and Ohio towpath. So it's, it's, it. a, it's the towpath that borders the Potomac, where they used to So we're to, talking like, east side of the country? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we started in Pittsburgh, uh, and then went all the way to Washington D.C. Oh, so you wow. start on, you start on the Gap, which is about 150 miles. It's a crushed limestone, real nice, wide, well maintained trail. And then once you get to Cumberland, Maryland, you pick up on the CNO towpath, and the towpath is not as well maintained. Oh no. <laughs> and so it's kind of like these two gravel paths. It's full of roots and oh, mud geez, and rocks. Yeah. And still an amazing time. And so there's about 185 miles on that, roughly. But it's just incredible, incredible sights. Mm-hmm. You know, you're on the while you're on the Gap, you're bordering a couple different rivers. Just beautiful, beautiful scenery. There's it's really actually friendly to cyclists mm-hmm. along the way, especially you know tours, because there are you know the towns uh, cater to cyclists a lot. There's actually you know free and a little huts and stuff where you can actually camp out for oh, free in okay. some places. Okay. Uh, there's little like hostels that are catered to cyclists along the way. So they're wel- they're welcoming. They want yes. people to come and they want tourists and that sounds awesome. Absolutely, yeah. So it was just a just a beautiful beautiful ride. There's so much history on that. Yeah. On that uh, trip as well. So yeah. like if you get a chance to do it, there's so many towns you can stop at, so many uh, places you can see. It's it's incredible. I remember seeing photographs. Um, well, and we probably should say, well, not that I, maybe people don't care, but I think it's interesting. Uh, when you did that adventure, it was you and three other guys, right? Yeah. So you guys all like said goodbye to your wives, mm-hmm. the ones that had kids said, you know, all right, daddy's going to go on a little trip. Right. And uh, the photographs were just amazing. You mm-hmm. guys looked like you were having a blast from dusk till dawn oh yeah and probably all day long as well absolutely yeah, yeah that that group of guys we do an annual tour every yeah. year we pick a different one and just a really great dynamic between yeah. uh, all of us we each kind of have our roles and uh, yeah we have a we have a real good time we pretty silly most of the time but, uh, <laughs> well and um nothing surprises me with you guys but it may surprise listeners that there were lots of days that you wore kilts on your bicycles absolutely so there are a couple pictures i saw you guys are in like dry fit or jerseys and kilts so do you want to give a little background on that sure yeah absolutely so all of us do wear uh, kilts and that kind of comes from our ragbri team yeah we all ride with the same ragbri team and that's the subtle savages shout out to the savages yeah absolutely so Wearing kilts is kind of their thing. A lot of teams now wear it, yeah. Uh, but they've been wearing kilts for a long time. So uh-huh. anytime we do any of these tours, we generally wear a kilt the whole time. Yeah. And so yeah, we we bike hundreds of miles in our kilts. In kilts. And uh, it's actually it's pretty fun because people ask a lot, 
why are you wearing a kilt? And it's not because we're Scottish or anything like right. that. It's, it's just because it's a team thing. And honestly, it's a really good conversation starter. Yeah. And so you meet some really fun people yeah. and, and they're excited to see you. So it opens some doors too. And you guys just look good because you're all, you know, us girls would be like, oh, they're so matchy, matchy. Right. They look really cute. Um, and we should probably give a shout out to Sport Kilt yeah. because yeah. they are the provider. That's who we buy. Um, I have kilts as well, but we buy them through Sport Kilt. So they're meant to be worn uh, for active people. So you can jump on your bike and not feel like you're wearing a skirt because you're not. Yep. It is a kilt. So uh, if I can find some photographs of you four, because there were some awesome photos with oh, yeah. some great backgrounds. I, I'll throw them up on our um, uh, website here. Absolutely, you should. So, yeah. Uh, so you would recommend the Gap and the CNO Trail for sure. Yes. And you would recommend Lake Michigan. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, awesome. Um, so you did briefly mention mechanical issues. Mm-hmm. You've had some spoke. I've been with you. Um, so RAGBRAI is a big deal for most Iowans, at least in our circle of cyclists. And uh, the last, I don't know, maybe four or five years, maybe a little bit longer, there's a smaller group of us that leaves from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, loads up our bikes, and we ride our bikes to the start of RAGBRAI. So um, we call that the bag out. And it's uh, sometimes it's almost as fun as RAGBRAI itself because you're uh, going through communities that, you know, maybe haven't seen that style of cycling before yep. and uh, of course we do our fair share of drinking and mm-hmm. eating and you know we use parks and camp and it's it's a blast but i can tell you the last couple years that i've been on the bag out with you it's such a bummer like you've had mechanical issues and i guess last year one of our teammates cassie yep. had the same mechanical issues yeah. so do you want to talk a little bit about that sure yeah uh, absolutely so the the main mechanical issues that i've tended to have were around the spokes on my rear rear wheel especially so i'm a big guy and my bike is heavy i carry a lot of stuff i like to carry a lot of stuff and so that's difficult uh, for the bikes that i was riding to to handle and so i've learned a lot since then and my latest bike no more spoke issues granted i've I've now progressed into a couple other issues (laughs) but uh talk about those more but yeah so as far as you know learning how to do those things yeah uh i grew up uh, my dad was an engineer we come from a big family and so we had a lot of cars so my background is is really in kind of car repair okay but and so there's actually quite a few things on a bicycle that are still kind of a mystery to me sure but through as things break i kind of forced myself to at least learn a bit about it yeah and the spokes was one of the first things i learned and so i started basically trying to repair it and finding out, oh, I don't have the right tools. Right. And so I did it. And ultimately, or actually, I don't really, I can't completely fix a wheel. So my approach when I break some spokes, uh, if I do, mm-hmm. is just to basically fix it well enough that I can get to the next get to the bike shop. Next to the bike shop or just get where I'm going. Yeah. So I, I I'm I can't really true up a wheel at this point. Sure. But that's kind of on my list of things to learn. Sure. And other than that, it's just kind of like I, I have some mechanical uh, ability and so it's just some problem solving or yeah. just understanding like how it might work and i will tell you because of you will sharp mm-hmm. i have two spokes that are taped to my rack right so they're kind of an emergency i i would have to probably watch a youtube video to figure out what to do because i right this second i there's no way that i could 
fix the spoke. But because of you, I at least have them on my bike. So the sure. hope is that someone within my group will be able to help me or I'll be able to figure it out on my own. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a, a good touring tip that right. if you're on a uh, this sort of bike and you're carrying a lot of weight, weight that's something to consider that, you know, if, if a spoke breaks, you might be able to keep going forward. But for the most part, you have to change it in order to keep rolling. Right. There are some techniques that you can use to, to run without a spoke. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to do with tightening, you know, kind of ones that are opposite. I am not an expert yet on that. Yeah. Uh, there is some theory, so I would probably look at YouTube to yeah. help me out with that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, YouTube is an excellent resource, assuming you have some service. Right, yeah, assuming you have service. That's a, that's a big one there, yeah. Um, well, speaking of your bike, mm -hmm. uh, give us like a few important features that you find, like, I'm so glad this is on my bike. Right, yeah, well, so um, I'm going to actually start with probably the construction. So as you, uh, we've been talking about, I've had a lot of wheel issues. So one yeah. of the most critical components that I had in my latest custom build is the wheels itself. Okay. Uh, I contacted a, a rim manufacturer, told them my setup, and asked them, the experts, what do I need? Yeah. And so that's what I then relayed to World of Bikes, who ultimately you know uh, constructed it. Mm -hmm. And so they're super heavy-duty uh, wheels. Uh, meant to get they're, they're basically tandem bike oh, okay. tires. so like okay. tandems are meant yeah. to carry multiple people but right. it's just me and my backs right and so and then they're real big wide tires now not everybody that does touring necessarily needs that sure kind of based on your your setup and sure. how much you want to carry right but that's really important to me um i am a big fan of disc brakes specifically hydraulic brakes so i have a fat bike really like the stopping power of, mm -hmm. of those uh, disc brakes and specifically full hydraulic ones mm -hmm. Uh, not necessarily required for everyone, but it's just what I like. Mm -hmm. And the heavier your bike is, the more you need that stopping power. Sure, yeah. Uh, fenders, obviously, really important for rain, just to keep oh, yeah. sort of clean. And the guy behind you, when you're when you're biking in the rain, yeah. if you don't have the fenders, they're getting wet. <laughs> right, no doubt. I always, I always hate the people, too, that have really short fenders. Yeah, and it so splashes it's like, up. Protect themselves, but it's horrible for you. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah that's very true. Right. And then I would say like lots of mounts for things that I might want to yep. put on my bike. Yep. Yep. Um, your speaker, your water bottles, yep. your, uh, your bags. And, um, so that gets me to the next question. Mm -hmm. um, give us an idea of some of the things on your bike. Like, you know, there's obvious things when I think of a bagger or somebody who's self-contained. Right. Give us a few ideas of what's on your bike. Yeah. So the, the major thing is, is the bags themselves. Yeah. So, and, you know, the, the bags... For me, we're a bit of progression too. I learned as, as I went. And so the, the bags that I have now are kind of the, really just the first set of premium bags that I ever bought. I, would, I kind of started with some cheap ones that I found, the cheapest ones I could find in the bike shop, yep. right? And then yep. I've kind of graduated and I'm ready for another set now. But right. what I currently run are, are you know four bags. They're classic touring Arkells. Mm -hmm. And they're, I've got smaller bags that are like 28 liter up front and then 42 liter ones and that they're bigger. Mm -hmm. They have a couple outside pockets, which are kind of handy. Yep. So, you know, that's kind of important maybe for, for people organizational wise yes to, to help and um, that's a huge issue mm -hmm. I, we talked about that on the last podcast uh, that I did with Dana that um, you know you get into a, a rhythm as you do a tour but those first couple days even couple hours you're like okay you have to end up opening all your compartments and all your bags to figure out you know where are my sunglasses where's my sunscreen yep and then after a couple days you're like well oiled as long as you put stuff back where you found it <laughs> 
then you can be like my tents in this bag my clothes are in right. this bag and so yeah it's except when you get to the obscure item that you didn't need until that day <laughs> yeah exactly and then it all comes out <laughs> right you need to tighten something so you need your uh, toolkit and it's on the bottom and yeah right yep and the other thing I think I'd mention about the bags is just whether or not to so I opted to go non-waterproof and call you know and get ones just get covers okay yeah that came with it that was my first choice yeah but uh a lot of people go with with waterproof, sure. and I I may reevaluate that decision yep. as I move forward. I have both. I have the, mm -hmm. the bags that are fabric, and then they come with rain covers, and you can pretty much, you know, if it starts a downpour on you, you still have a minute or two to get those bags out or get the covers out and put them on. So right. it's no big deal. Um, I currently am running bags that are waterproof, and it's nice to not have to think about it. Yeah. But um, there's nothing. It's like it's like my pet peeve in bike touring life is when everything gets wet. It's just like it's kind of a a day ruiner for me. Yeah. You know, when your clothes are wet or your you know sometimes you can't help if your tent gets wet because you got to pack it up and yeah, exactly you know let it dry out at night. But man, you know when it starts raining, you're just like crossing your fingers that I hope those bags are sealed up. Right. Right. <laughs> So, um, and then some, uh, yeah, yeah. So some other things, um, I use a, uh, uh, my seat, I guess is the next, you know, kind of important thing yeah. just from a comfort standpoint. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I have a Brooks, uh, Cambium yep. C17. Yep. And so that's like that rubber one. And people, in theory, you don't have to break it in. Is that true? Exactly. Yeah. So people, the other brooks are like leather and yeah. you cover them up in the rain. I wasn't yeah. really interested in that. I'm yeah. kind of lazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was just looking for simple. And it's honestly, it's the first brooks that I owned. And so I don't know any different. Sure. It might be it might be that other brooks seats are better, but yeah. I like it. Yeah. So shout out to brooks. Right. Saddles. Mm -hmm. I have an Ergon. Okay. women's specific saddle and it's kind of the same deal where it's that material kind of rubbery so that it can get wet sure but man it's super super comfortable yeah no, didn't have to work it in so i've definitely heard people that have their brook saddles and they absolutely love them right but then they'll also in the same sentence say yeah it took me several years to get it worn in i'm like how could you bike right for several years uncomfortable yeah no that's <laughs> terrible <laughs> So, um, okay, some other fun things that you've done when I've been on touring with you. Um, are you well, first of all, are you a camper, a hammocker, a lay on a picnic table? What are what kind of sleeper are you? I'm a camper, actually. Yeah. So I, I prefer a tent. I haven't really got into the hammock mm -hmm. scenario. I've had some lower back problems, so I'm a little worried about the hammock sure. situation. I know it's lighter, so to me it sounds appealing. Yeah. But uh, I also just like to be covered. Yes. So I carry, uh, I go with a two-person tent Yep. Uh, that's, you know, relatively light. I keep my eye out for a better one, but it, it works for now. Yeah. And I just, two-person because it's not that there's somebody else in there or anything. It's just the fact that I have a big bags. Yeah, I don't you can want, bring your bags in. Yeah, exactly. So you, you need more space than you think. Right. So people go with a one-person tent, you're going to be real cramped in there. Right. Um, what kinds of things do you pack for camping that maybe people wouldn't think about? Well, I carry a, um, I don't know if this is necessarily what people wouldn't think about, but I mean, I carry a, a sleeping pad. I prefer a, an inflatable one. Yep, I do too. So I found a good one that uh, doesn't really require anything else, like a pump. Mm -hmm. It's just a, you know, just like 20 breaths. Yeah, I was going to say, yep, yeah. yep. 
And I carry inflatable pillows, mm -hmm. same thing. So they pack really tight. Yes, and light. Yes, Yeah. and a really light uh, sleeping bag is important too. Yes. So. so you and I have been part of a group where we've camped in um, parks and sometimes have a restroom, sometimes don't. But you saved all of us. I think that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, because we were, it was super hot. We were all sweaty and dirty, and mm -hmm. we get to our campsite, and there's pretty much nothing there. So, right. tell the listeners how you saved us. Yeah, so I <laughs> I love to carry my own personal shower, which is really just a small segment of hose yeah. and a you know a garden sprayer attachment. Yeah, you know? and so I also carry a tool that allows you to like turn on a faucet that might be in a park that Ooh. doesn't have a handle. So, okay, you know, it's questionable there, but. <laughs> I like a shower. I want to get clean at the yeah. end of the day. So, fortunately, yeah, most times I've never had to use that. So yeah. you just you find a faucet, hook up that hose, yeah. and there you go. You got a shower. And it, it was life changing because, first of all, it was super super cold. So you you know that first like right. spray, you can hardly catch your breath. But then you know you get used to it. You're sunburned. You're hot anyway. And oh my gosh, that was like just going to bed clean is a great feeling. And those of you who are into bike touring, you understand that, you know, you're not in luxury. You don't always get two showers a day or I don't know, even one sometimes, but right. yeah. So thanks for bringing your kick-ass shower hose. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so if somebody asks you, why do you carry so much stuff on your bike? What, what would you say? I would say that it's, it's just, it's really fun. Yeah. You know? I mean, like just to be able to have anything and everything you need. It just feels right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I love it when people ask you if, you know, if you have something and then you do like, I don't know, Pringles or. <laughs> right. And then that's actually, that's the other thing I was thinking of. So I like to help people. You yeah. Know? That, that's kind of my thing. Yeah. So it's, if I've got something on my bike that helps you, it, yeah. just, it makes the experience that much better. Yeah. Like a shower. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the shower or all the tools that I carry. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, name a couple of items that you always carry during a ride. Okay. Um, so I always carry like a charging brick is really important to me. Oh yes. Because yep. even though I've got a dyno hub that you know like powers my lights and my my, yep. my front light and rear light, there's so many things that you got to charge now. That's just like that's probably a critical item. Is yours a solar charge? It is not. Okay. So so, you, so at some point during the day, you make sure it's fully charged. Like if you're at a restaurant or a bar. Yep. Um, and then at night you have enough juice in there to kind of get your lights and stuff right actually i mean i kind of go overboard so i actually carry two like uh 20, milliamp hour oh wow okay packs, so that'll last me like generally three to four days okay minimum. nice like and that's using it full time so the other thing that that the other reason i carry that is because i like to have a phone mount with my phone mounted on the bike okay. the whole time yeah. with google maps up because oh that's, yeah so you can see where, yeah yeah and google maps while you're touring is fantastic because mm -hmm. you can, as you're going, if you're running it the whole time, now granted it uses a lot of battery power, mm -hmm. but you can see the things that you're coming up on, like bars or yeah, know, cool things to see. Uh, gas stations. We're, yes. we're here in Iowa. We're huge fans of Casey's. <laughs> Whenever yep. you see a Casey's, we have to stop no matter what because yep. they have everything. They have uh, great restrooms. They have beer. They have Gatorade. They have food, pizza, ice cream. Absolutely everything and if you need like sunscreen or band-aids or 
They even have clothes. I think you can get a you can get yourself a fun hat or a t-shirt. Right. Yeah, we bought some. I think we bought some little like uh, pigs, like that. Squeeze yeah, the squeaks. squeaks. Yeah, <laughs> those were awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um, all right, so Will, you've been bike touring for a while, and you've definitely gotten out and seen a lot of the United States. But what advice would you give first timers? Yeah, so I would say one of the first things I suggest is go out and try just an overnight. Oh, yeah. You know, don't go overboard. Experiment with, you know, what you want to pack. Uh, I would suggest, you know, not going overboard at first. I always tend to overpack, and that's, I think, one of the struggles for everyone is yes. what to bring, right? Yep. So get out there and try an overnight and experiment with what you think you need and, and then reflect on that when, you know, you get back home and what you might change. The other thing I might say is make sure to, as you get to longer trips, make sure you plan well. Um, know what's, you know, what's available out on your tour. Okay. Because that'll help lessen your load. Yeah. You know, you don't have to carry quite so much if maybe you can, you come across some laundry facilities. And so it minimizes the amount of clothes. You oh, have to sure. Something yeah. Like that. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or um, just looking ahead, you know, if you, well, you should always have enough food and water uh, to get you at least a couple segments away. Yeah. So if you've looked ahead and you say, okay, there is a restaurant 15 miles ahead, well, maybe plan that that restaurant will be closed. So right. you got to make it to the next stop, or um, or certainly if you're in remote areas, you have to have water and um, some sort of snack of substance. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and you brought up a good point there, too, about places being closed. So we always call when we plan our trips. Oh, like, very smart. You know, if there's a place that we think we might stop, like that's a good rest stop on a day, yeah. like day five or something. We call them to make sure that the place isn't out of business or something. Right. You know, because right. you don't want to be surprised yeah. when you're, you know, you were counting on that place. Right, right, right. Well, that brings me to uh, the next question. Any do's or don'ts worth mentioning? Sure, yeah. I, well, the first thing is just don't wait too long to, to plan your trip. Yeah. You know, done that in the past, and it's uh, it'll make it a, you know, a bit more enjoyable if, if you can plan enough. Right. Say. You don't have to go overboard. Right. But right. I wouldn't wait too long to pack either. I'm always a procrastinator. Yeah. And uh, it usually bites me. I, it keeps happening, but <laughs> I always want but to But at least you think board. about it. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm getting ready for an 11-day tour, and tonight is my... Actually, I have until about 9 o'clock tomorrow morning... And I'm going to try really hard because, you know, tonight's the last night. But yeah. I'll be just exactly what you just said. It'll be tomorrow morning and I'll be doing my frantic throw things that I probably don't need. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I would say as far as a do, make sure you stop on your tour. Like, you know, don't, yeah, it's not don't a waste race. it. Yeah. Got to stop. We, we only, you know, we go generally 10 miles or so and stop and enjoy the scenery. Yeah. Find a town. Yep. Talk to people. Yep. Or even... um. Um, what was it? I don't remember how many years ago there was actually a tornado in mm -hmm. our area. Yeah. And um, we were in the middle of nowhere. All we had were uh, not even farms, but farm fields. And uh, even a state trooper kind of pulled up alongside us. He's like, you guys need to find shelter. There's a tornado. Right. And we're like, uh, I don't think a soybean field is really going to save us. Um, but we ended up uh, going to, we found like a park that had a pavilion and that was that ended up being our shelter and we were okay like the tornado unfortunately did hit the town next to us but we were fine but wasn't it amazing how many people 
pulled into that park and asked if we were okay and if we needed any water and we met some great people and it was yeah God, it ended up being one of our most fun days it was yeah. yeah it was really it was really neat talking to that especially the firefighters yeah yeah so uh any adventures on your horizon absolutely yeah so uh Ragbri is the most uh, immediate one which uh, you'll yeah. be on as well yeah and then uh, in september uh, the same group of guys that uh i did the gap and cno with we're gonna do the natchez trace uh, oh i'm this year. super yeah. jealous right so yeah, that's a that's actually a road, a kind of a lower speed limit road that runs from Natchez, Mississippi, to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, great! And so we're not actually going to do the whole thing. We don't have quite enough time. We're going to start in Jackson, okay, and and do that and ride north and then spend the weekend in uh, Nashville. And is it uh, a lot of small towns as you go, or is it a little bit further remote? Actually, it's it's a lot more remote than you think. Oh, so okay. we're, we're still doing a lot of planning because it's going to be a tour unlike others that we've done. There sure. are quite a bit or there's a lot fewer resources available oh, okay. so it's really important that we plan this one out really well there's some large gaps this time where there isn't really anything mm-hmm. and actually water is one of the biggest challenges on, ah. on the Natchez Trace just finding it because there are a very limited number of actual public stops okay and there aren't many places to get water a lot of places you got to take like an exit because it's kind of like a highway oh, okay so then you're going off route into yeah. town um, and on a side note Water is super, super important, but keep in mind, it's heavy. Right. Water is heavy, Mm -hmm. but you can't not have it. So if it's between having a fan in your tent or carrying water, if you're at your max weight, skip the fan, take the water. Right. Although the fan's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Will, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was really fun. Absolutely. uh, I look forward to seeing pictures of your Not Just Trace Mm -hmm. and Ragbray, of course, but I'll probably see you on Ragbray. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. How about a touring tip? Let's talk resealable clear plastic bags. These guys are my friend. I use Ziploc brand bags, but of course any brand will do uh, as long as they have a good seal on them. They come in all different sizes. They weigh almost nothing and they can be tucked into any nook in your bag. So, and they're in the long run, they're not super expensive. You may be paying a few bucks on the front side, but you can reuse them over and over and over again until that seal breaks or until you get a hole in them. And then the nice thing about it is you can just put them in the recycle bin get another plastic bag, you're not out a whole lot of money. So so besides replacing bags that get overused, I like to have a handful of empty bags on hand for various reasons. It's so frustrating when I open up my pannier and there's loose stuff everywhere. You know, if you're going to have to take stuff out to figure out where, what it, where, whatever it is that you're looking for is, you're going to have to put them on the ground or balance them on your saddle or on another bag. That just drives me crazy, especially if it's raining or you're in a hurry. So I try to contain everything in those bags. So and I try to keep everything organized. So I put all my clothes together, all my gear together, all my cords together. Um, Also, you know, like the snack size resealable bags. Awesome for snacks, of course, loose change that you collect along your tour. Um, you know, if you don't donate back to the restaurant or to the gas station, you they end up in your jersey pocket or they're somewhere. So find a, a snack bag, snack size bag, or any sort of Ziploc bag that you can start putting all your change in. Um, toiletries, you know, whether you have a roll of toilet paper or for females, tampons, 
those sorts of things fit perfectly in a Ziploc bag, um, keeps them from everything flying around. Uh, and then, of course, souvenirs. You know, if you're out, if you're a rock collector or shell collector, um, instead of having it at the bottom of your bike bag, just throw it into one of these bags. Um, the sandwich size resealable bags, uh, snacks, of course, um, great for protecting your cell phone. So I always have one in the little compartment that I keep my phone in. So if it starts sprinkling, you can pull over very quickly, put your phone into that Ziploc bag um, and keep on rolling. Also protect your phone from sweat because you can usually uh, work through your phone through the plastic. Uh, The gallon size resealable bags, great for complete outfits, easy to grab when you're heading to the shower. You know, you can just grab an entire outfit already in the bag. Uh, your toiletries for what you're going to use in the shower. Also great for the stinky stuff. So whatever you wore yesterday isn't stinking up your bag. It's in a Ziploc um, or plastic bag that's sealed. Um, I keep saying Ziploc because that's what I use. Of course, you don't have to. But uh, my last tip for you is do not skimp on the quality of your resealable bags. Because I'm telling you, if you're getting the super cheap, super cheap bags, the thin ones, The first time it tears, you're going to be mad at yourself. You're going to have to throw it away. So you're probably spending just as much time and money re-getting new bags out instead of just being able to reuse the same one. So there's my touring tip. Well, listeners, that's it for this week's Morphology Podcast. Check out morphologypodcast.com and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate all of you, and thanks for taking the time to tune in and listen to the Morphology Podcast. I'll leave you with this quote from the Unwritten Book of Morphology. This quote comes from John Kabat-Zinn. The best way to capture moments is to pay attention. This is how we cultivate mindfulness. Think about it.